everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Unapologetically Different Podcast with Key and Pierre. Hey guys, what's up? This is our fourth episode. We are excited about sharing this journey with you guys and we really do appreciate you tuning in every week. Now let's get into it. So, if anyone's been following the Twitterverse, there's been a little bit of, uh, I guess, uproar and backlash against some comments that were made about black athletes dating white women. So just to give you the background, there was a football player on the Washington Redskins. His name is Lyndon Antonio Trail, and he asked his followers on Facebook, why do black athletes marry white women? So the response that caused this big uproar and backlash came from a Miami Dolphins player named Maserati Rick. And I'm just going to read back his response straight from Twitter. Sorry, Facebook. The answer is simple, brother. Most of the sisters were raised in broken homes and they don't have proper, proper guidance to how they should treat a man. So they mess up a lot in relationships. The biggest difference is a white woman knows her position and accepts her role as a woman and let her man lead. Black women believe it's 50-50 and you have to be uneducated to ever think such a thing. Black women are stubborn, closed-minded, and always want to argue and be the boss. Men don't like that shit. Especially if you're successful, young black athletes are looking for a woman to submit, do they part, and they handle business. Men needs peace of mind and you don't get that with black women, end quote. So yeah, that that was a huge mouthful. And that, that response, needless to say, got a lot of uproar on the Twitterverse. And I see you're kind of like, you're kind of holding it in right now, Key. So what what's your take on that? Like, how did you feel when you heard that? Um, I was really bothered by it at first, but it's nothing new to me. It's always been a kind of a conversation piece in terms of when black men make it to a certain, you know, plateau in their life or in their career, they tend to date outside their race, um, primarily it being white women. What I did appreciate, and I'm going to get back to that, is um, Derek Jackson from Facebook. He is... I want to say he's an activist and he speaks out a lot about issues surrounding, you know, men, women dating and how women should be treated and accordingly. And I really do like a lot of his posts. I follow him. And he basically just had the, like the perfect rebuttal in, in regards to um, this football player's response. And he was basically breaking down the false notions and misconceptions that are that align with black women and that black men feed into and so I think he did a great job kind of summing that up but I just want to speak more specifically about some of the things that was said when he talks about broken homes um you know he gets this point that black women come from broken homes and as a result we don't know how to act accordingly in relationships now I find it to be a bit problematic because at the same time black men (laughs) Black women don't come from different homes than black men do. We kind of come, we come from the same homes. Yeah. And when you think about the concept of broken homes in our communities, 
which is very prevalent. Um, this is very true. Um, a lot of that is derived from slavery, which people tend to forget. Our families were stripped away. We were sold on auction blocks. We were not permitted to get married, or if we did get married, it was done in secret. Um, oftentimes, black men had to witness their wives being raped by their slave masters. Um, and in some terms, they turn around black men and they were partaking in active sexual activities with a white woman at the time who also was a slave master as well. So, I mean, we have to really question the dynamics of slavery and how that played a part into where we're at now. And this is why I say it's very important that we know a lot about our history, because if we do, we can see a lot of the correlations. So that ties into broken homes. And when you speak about broken homes in the black community, more times than not, it's the men being left outside of the home and a woman raising a family by herself being a single parent. Yeah. So what does that say about a black woman who's raising um, parent? I'm sorry, raising children by herself without the help of a man? Shouldn't you be questioning the dynamics of um, the men not being around, but primarily the fact that a household lack a male figure because he decided to up and leave or whatever his case may be, which I could also think is derived from slavery as well as to why black men are not a part of the homes consistently because it becomes a cycle. Instead of you deconstructing that, you're saying it's our fault. And with that being said, because we come from broken homes, we don't know how to have like really truthful, honest, and loving, caring relationships. That's very problematic to me because that puts a lot of false notions on black women, which is not true at all. And also, when he says that white woman knows their position, what does that mean? What position does a white woman have over a black woman, vice versa? And what position do we hold as women? I don't understand what white woman will be okay with the things that he's saying in regards to a white woman know their place. They know when to be submissive. They know when to be quiet. So what are you saying about us? Black women, we're othered. We're different because we speak out. We're not submissive. And to me, that's very problematic because I don't think he should be holding white women to in such high regards because I don't even think white women perceive themselves as that way. And my question is, did he date every white woman out there? Did he date every black woman out there? Because we're all a different. You know, yes, you may have been with one black woman, you may have been with one white woman, but that doesn't mean you know a whole entire race because you've been with one person. Yeah. So to me, that's within itself is a very ignorant comment. And whether you black and white put it aside, it's about how you perceive women and our gender, which is problematic to me is that we have a place where is my place? I would like to know. And how long am I supposed to be at this place? Because I just want to make sure. Um, since I like to argue, I just wanted to ask him a very valid question. But also, another thing that's really problematic is that black women are stubborn. We're closed-minded. We're old. We always want to argue. I'm trying to figure out where did he come up with all of that. So you mean to tell me that we are the only ones that have these negative misconceptions about us are these these misconceptions we're the only groups that have this you have this misconception about but what about other groups and other types of race and what what does that say about white women and it it bothers me as a black woman because this is something that you know I've been talked about discussed when I was in college and after you question like I don't believe all black men when they do get um reach a certain point in their career they married outside their race there are some who stay within their race and there's others that date outside of it. My issue is, I don't care who you date. <laughs> I'm going to keep it 100. You want to date a white woman? Go ahead. You want to be with an Asian woman? Go ahead. I don't care who you date. But the problem that I have with black men is that you have to justify you dating outside your race as if black women are evil, we're the devil, and you have so much negative things to say about us. 
as to this is why I'm dating everyone else because I can't deal with a black woman. But your mother is black. So you dealt with her and you still got to deal with her because she's your mother. So and your sister is black. So what does that say about you and how you perceive your culture and your race? And I think it comes along with self-hate when when black men say stuff like that. And that's what bothers me. Date whoever you want. I particularly don't care. But your preference on who you date should not be based on the fact that you want to have light-skinned babies with pretty eyes. Should not be based on the fact that you can't deal with a whole entire black woman race because we're just too much to handle. And you probably only dated one black girl. Like, it needs to be more reasons as to why you're dating than opposed to, I'm not dating a black woman because I can't deal with them, hence why I go every place else. That makes absolutely no sense to me. And that, to me, ties into self-hate. And it's very problematic for me. And it's problematic when a lot of black men think black women are out here giving y'all the evil eye about who y'all dating and the fact that you decide to be with a white woman. A lot of us don't care. Like, do what you do, but don't bash us in the process. And that's what really bothers me with black men is like, it's you pick and choose, some of y'all pick and choose when y'all want to use us and try to play us to push your own personal agenda. And there's no need for that. If you want to be with a white woman, go ahead. I hope you have a great time with her. But don't ever compare white women to black women and saying that there's something that we're not because it's like we're lacking something and they seem to have all the answers and then you make us other and you marginalize us and then you turn around and want us to have self-respect for ourselves and to love ourselves. But when I, some black men don't even see, see our worth, that's what really gets me and it gets me really pissed off. Your take on it, Pierre? Sorry about I was just... Mm. No, um, yeah, I definitely agree with a lot of things that you were saying, and I just think in general, his comments were very ignorant. For one, like you said, just marginalizing black women, especially his mother is black, and if he has any sisters, he's dealt with those women his entire life. But then, like you said, also, I just feel like it's kind of a just attack on women in general, with where he said that a woman want, a black woman wants to have a 50-50 shot in the relationship as being the lead i just i think that sounds normal like a relationship should be a partnership it should be two people being together working together just to cuz you guys decided to be here together it shouldn't be i'm the man you follow my lead you in the kitchen you're whatever the case may be it's so not the 1950s anymore yeah so i i've really felt like his comments were very ignorant and i think in my opinion i think all women are the same i think well no i take that back i don't <laughs> i that's that did not sound right <laughs> i feel like men are men and women are women I don't think a black woman is any different than a white woman or a white woman's any different than an Asian woman. I think at the end of the day, we're just humans. And I think that this ignorance that he's speaking really does come from what you said, from self-hate. And to be honest, I, I actually, I'm getting like hot because it feels weird just saying this, but... I've actually felt that myself as well, and I felt like just through mainstream media, things I've seen in television, movies, newspaper articles, whatever the case may be, I felt like I kind of developed that self-hate for myself where 
because I was dark skinned, I didn't value myself as much as someone who's black but they're light skinned or or felt that because I'm a black person that once if I go into a room where I'm the only black person that I might not be as educated of these people yeah. or or just whatever the case may be basically just having self-deprecating like thoughts about myself because of my skin color and it sucks so yeah sorry I, I just got into my feelings for no, a second i respect you for sharing that and i think that's a common thing among all of us in a sense in terms of how we define ourselves and characterize ourselves when we go into a room if we're around a certain group of people a certain kind of race and how we define ourselves I think that's important um and also we live in a world where it's not very accepting of our race I feel and also when it comes to complexions like you know on a darker scale on being dark skinned um as much as we may make jokes about it which is something we're going to actually speak more about throughout the segment um it's not something that it is something that you may be lighthearted, maybe jokingly, but beneath the surface, it has some kind of meaning to it. Um, so I definitely understand where you're coming from in regards to that. And I just wanted to get your take in regards to um, this situation and what was said. And Derek Jackson basically demolished his whole um, response to him. You have dated white women. Naive, right? And I just want to know what your take is on... At any point, did you feel like when you dated a white woman that, oh, it was better than dating a black woman or a woman of color? Like, did those thoughts ever cross your mind? It would be easier dealing with a white woman. Like, is some parts of what he said, like, resonate with you in a sense? Like, um, So, when I was younger, I was always a really shy person. Like... I didn't kiss my first girl until I was like 17 years old and it was just a peck. <laughs> Shout outs to Quinn. I miss you. Um, but yeah, so I feel like I, got, I have to give a little bit of context before I answer that. It's like, yeah, I was a really shy person um, and most of the girls, especially like in high school that I approached or I liked usually were black or Hispanic. There were some white girls as well, but I had no luck with any of them. But because predominantly they were black and Hispanic, I kind of came up with the idea in my head that black girls don't like me. Wow. So I felt that way for a long time. Um, what made you feel that way? Because all the black girls that I tried to get romantic with mm -hmm. it never worked out okay and then so based off of those couple of people yeah made an interpretation about a whole race exactly okay and like in hindsight i realized how silly that was and i actually had a conversation with a friend about this maybe a few months ago Mm -hmm. If we're just being candid. And she pretty much opened me up to that. The fact that I let just a few attempts at getting into relationships when I was 
16, 15, 17 years old basically shaped my whole future. I put myself in a box saying that black women don't like me, so I didn't try approaching many black women as I may have approached. Um, Yeah, and it really, yeah, that's crazy because, like, now that I look at it and in hindsight, it affected the way I went about everything that I did. Um, but my only, I've only had one long term relationship, and that was to a black woman for about five years, and it was amazing. Still love her to this day. But, um, yeah, like you said, I have dated white women as well, and with hindsight being 2020, I don't think there's anything true about the comments that he said. I've had amazing experiences with black women and white women. Yeah. I've had women drive me insane, crazy, want to pull out my hair, getting into arguments and stressed out. But like, I don't think there's any difference when it comes to black, white, yellow, purple, green, whatever the case. Yeah. I think. Again, at the end of the day, we're all humans. Humans have certain characteristics and way of being that that we kind of all follow for the most part. And I think, I think when it comes to black men marginalizing black women, I think it really does come from us that, like you said, self hate. Especially knowing that I've actually lived through that and felt that too. And as I kind of began like educating myself about the history of black culture and just really getting a better sense of who I am, what my heritage is, and getting aware of that, I started realizing that I had all these misconceptions and and just false ideologies that I put on myself. And it felt really good being able to get out of that and just looking at people for just who they are, not a black girl or a white girl. Just people. Just people. Yeah. I'm glad that you kind of added light to that. And also my stance on it is that I do feel there's times that... I don't want to say all, not all, but like there is some or a handful of black men that who have made it to a certain point in their career and they have dated outside their race. So they're more encouraged to date outside their race. And I feel like that's something to be kind of discussed in a sense because it sets the tone that... For, for those kind, like um, the gentleman here and other people may apply to, that you're basically kind of saying is that dating a black woman is okay when you live in a home with your mama, when you're in a corner, <laughs> when you're working at Burger King and whatnot. But when you start making it and you reach a certain point where you're financially stable and you're making millions or, you know, you're like at the top of your career, it's like, basically white women are more appealing or being with someone that's not black is more appealing and I never really understand that I mean I do understand there is a handful of black men who does that it's not everyone hence why um Lyndon had asked this question like why is that because it actually is happening but I've always kind of tried to figure out like at what point does that become a situation where it's like you become you're making more now so it's like dating someone that's not black is more appealing and I was like, so we're only appealing when you're struggling and when you barely have enough money to, to you got you ain't even got a pot to piss in. 
But now that you've made it to a certain point, it's like you want to date outside your race. And to me, it's very shocking that there are a handful of black men who decide to go that route. Um, but at the same time, like I said, if you date whoever you want, but don't bash black women in the process. And that's what gets me really upset. And don't sit up here and want to focus on our stereotypes and then want to call us out on things. And then lying about the things that you're saying and titling us um, as being something that we're not just to push your agenda. And I just feel like we that's something that needs to be more discussed within a black community, especially with black men. And I don't understand why you feel the need to bash us in the process. Not saying you, but the ones that are. And it really bothers me that you're doing that, especially to younger girls, teenagers, a younger, you know, I'm always bringing it back to the younger generation. Reading that comment and what does that say to her about her body and how she is and how she carries herself? That makes it feel like, oh, I'm not worthy enough to be with someone like that. Now, there's some other chicks that would be like, you know what? He's not my type. He's not the kind of man I want to engage and I want to entertain. And I hope that young girls who actually read his message don't feel insecure or ashamed about what was said. Just be like, you know what? You're not the kind of brother I want to be with anyway. And you clearly have some issues you need to work on and you need, to, you need to deconstruct. And I hope that he really does work on those issues. But don't bring out your negativity and bring out all of that about who we are not out to the general public for you to push your agenda. And also to um, tie it up, Lyndon Antonio <laughs> ended up posting a picture of his black family after he received um, so much backlash for the question. Please do keep in mind, everyone, he just asked the question. And then the um, Miami Dolphins player answered it. And everybody was like, why did you even ask the question? I think he asked a very valid question. He did not expect it to go in a different route and get crazy. Hence why he posted a picture of his black family <laughs> um, to let people know where he stand on the matter. So I have a question to ask you, Key. Because it felt like when, when you were discussing that earlier, it felt like you... Feel that most black men do like marginalize black women and when they find success financially that they go towards white women opposed to black women is, is that something you feel is true no i don't think that i don't think it's most i think it's some um i definitely feel that way in a sense of i do feel like there's some black men who have made it to a certain point in their career they date outside their race whatever their reasons may be um and oftentimes in some of those cases you'll get those men saying negative things pertaining to black women as to why they can't be with a black woman or whatever the case may be um but i just want to clarify that i don't believe all it's some i think for me why I look at it more critically in the sense that, all right, Dirk Jackson said something as a rebuttal for what this guy had said, and I commend him for that. When stuff like that happens, which is very common, I would like to see more black men who are not in agreement with him speaking out. Dirk Johnson, Jackson, sorry, said something, which I appreciate. I know you have your stance on it. Um, not expecting you to go write a whole big post on Facebook, but I get your stance on it. I would like to see more black men come out speaking out saying that's not the case, that's not true, so that it reinforces to me that, okay, maybe a handful of you don't want to date outside your race, and you may have your reasons, which may not be right at all, and you may have your bias and self-hate, but to see other black men come out and speak out about it or like rebuttal men like him that makes me feel like there's more solidarity in the community 
Because if it's if it's only some of you going outside the outside your waist because your misconceptions of black women okay, but then you're doing it and then you're speaking about it and then you're bashing us in the process. Yeah. And then you have black men not saying anything, being silent about it. Then it's like you may not agree, but your silence doesn't seem that way because by you being silent, it's like you consent to it. Yeah. So that's my problem is that I want to see more black men come out and say that's not okay. And I've only seen one. <laughs> like so I don't even I don't even understand that and I know there's way more than one or several of y'all as athletes you gotta go through the 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 comments I'm sure there was way more than one that's just one big big response oh you, but you're saying more so like well they're all well the big two big name athletes big name, big name athletes right. like you know Lennon did pose a question and then the Dolphin player responded with his comment, which caused a bit of an uproar. And Derek Jackson actually spoke out saying something. I would like to see more men, even athletes on that level, speak out and saying like, wait, what? What are you even saying right now? That doesn't even make sense. So just this topic in general. I mean, it's the same thing that Kanye West said in his song. <laughs> they make it, they leave you for a white girl. Is that <laughs> not true? It definitely is. So I think this... This really has, it has a lot to do with just that that dynamic between black and white people in the United States. Um, because in my opinion, if a black man was dating a Muslim woman or if a black man was dating a, a Asian person, mm-hmm. Asian woman... I don't think there would be as much backlash, but when it's a white woman, I think there's some resentment there because of the the history between whites and blacks in the United States. What do you, what do you think about that? When you put it like that, I could kind of see where you're coming from, but I think it's, I don't know, with the backlash word, it kind of got me a little thrown off because I want y'all to realize, you and for whoever is listening... Black women are not out here like on some vendetta stuff like oh you dating outside your race did it like I don't I don't think like that and I know some of my peers don't think like that you know but we're not out here keeping track of who who you dating outside of your race the problem is, is that for the men that do date outside their race the black men that do they bash us in the process which I don't understand why you need to do that yeah. because if a black woman did it to a black man and date a white man and bash a black woman in the process how many of y'all would have came forward like wait who's she talking about and try <laughs> to deconstruct her whole analysis and basically all come together and sing kumbaya saying that she's wrong for what she said that's kind of what I want back in return so I think to some standpoint what you said is valid is that when it comes to white women it may have a bit of a sting because of the history there with whole slavery and everything of that sort but I also think it applies to others if you date an Asian woman or you date a Muslim woman you know what I'm saying so I think at some point it kind of aligns in that aspect too but I look at it as for me it don't matter who you date I just don't see why there needs to be like an urgency a justification as to I'm dating you because this whole entire race of black women are just they love to argue (laughs) yeah they want to split stuff 50-50 they close-minded. Like, I don't get what that means. Like, that to me was like, like the whole entire race, like you dated all of us, like like every one of us from the Bronx, Brooklyn, Queens, and then you went all the way to Cali. Like, how did that go? Yeah. So that's what I'm trying to figure out. Like, I don't get that. So that is what really bothers me. And 
at the end of the day, personally for me, I really don't care who you date. If you want to date outside your race, do what makes you happy. You know what I'm saying? If your approach is I don't see color and you want to date someone, you, you see the good in people, go ahead. Do what makes you happy, but don't bash an entire race in the process. If I want to date a white man, I'm not going to bash black men. I don't even look at y'all the same. I wouldn't even put y'all on the same pedestal and be like, oh, this one is better than that one. I don't need to do that. Yeah. I'm into you because I'm into you. There's something you bring to the table. I'm not going to say, oh, no, I can't. I'm with him because black men are just uneducated. They on the corner. They thugs. They ain't got nothing going on. If I said that, like, come on, that would have been a whole, that would have been a whole story. And that's what really bothers me about the situation, like. It's always been that, though. It's never been, I dated this woman because I'm into her, or I like her, I'm physically attracted to her. It's like, I dated her because I just can't deal with black women. When did you come up with that? Yeah. Because your mother dealt with you. So, <laughs> I'm just confused. Okay. So, that's my stance on it. Um, I just wanted to be clear. I don't think it's all of y'all. Just a handful of y'all. No, I'm really happy that you, you put that out there. Because... I get the fact that you can like one, you can like something without bashing something else. Yeah. But the fact that you said you you want to see black men actually respond and say, "Hey, that's not true." Like, I I'd never thought about it that way, and I'm glad you you got me into that mindset and put into that perspective for me. So if I ever do hear something like that going on, I'll be sure to speak up and let my opinion be heard. And I'll be thinking about you in the process. Thank you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. <laughs> All right, guys. So we got a little deep there. Went off a little bit of a tangent. So we're going to bring it back in. And we're going to switch gears for a bit. So um, the last episode, we spoke about Get Out and how wonderful it was. And we hope y'all went to go see it. And if you haven't seen it, go see it. Anyway... Um, there's been some bit of a, I want to say a conflict in the media in regards to the actor playing the role. So Samuel, Samuel L. Jackson, that was a mouthful, went on on Hot 97 to do an interview and he stated, um, I know the young brother who's in the movie and he's British. There are a lot of black British actors that work in this country all the time. I tend to wonder what would that movie have been with an American brother who really understands that in a way. Because Daniel grew up in a country where they've been interracial dating for 100 years. Britain, there's only about eight real white people left in Britain. (laughs) What would a brother from America have made of that role? I'm sure the director helped. Some things are universal, but everything ain't. He also continues saying that, um, keeping in mind, they don't cost as much in terms of British actors. And unless you're an unknown brother that they're finding somewhere, they think they're better trained for some reason than we are because they're classically trained. I don't know what the love affair is with all of that. It's all good. And then he ends off by saying everyone needs to work, but there are a lot of brothers here that need to work too. They come here because there are more opportunities and they actually get paid when they work here, which is fine. So that was an interesting take on it in regards to Samuel L. Jackson's response about Daniel Kaluuya playing this role in Get Out. I was slightly surprised by it. Um, I get where he's coming from in terms of opportunities probably being scarce in America for African-American men here. But I just... 
I understood his where he was coming from, but I was at the same time I was just like, but hold on, like he the guy did a great job in that in the role. I didn't even know he was not an American <laughs> citizen, to be quite honest. Like I really did not know. I didn't even know he was not from this country. Like he did a phenomenal job and I just was really kind of taken aback with um, his stance on it. And it kind of caused a bit of an uproar in terms of what people thought that it was unnecessary and that it was on call for, especially in the timing of this movie being that it is like increasing in numbers, like it's up to like a hundred million now and it's about to cross over into the UK. Um, But Pierre, what was your take on it? And also did um, Kalua had a response? So... I got where Samuel Jackson was coming from. It's one of those like, hmm. Yeah. Like, it just makes you think, like, bruh. All right, so uh, let me put it in this way. I love to travel, and I've been all over the world. And unfortunately, in my experience, in my travel, I've dealt with racism in the United States, in Europe, Asia. So just... Yeah. all parts of the world. So it's not something that's specific to the U.S. And with that being said, I felt Daniel did an amazing role in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like I had no idea he was a British actor until I heard about this interview. And I think at the end of the day, being a black man wherever you are in the world, whether it's the U.S., it's London, it's Africa or South America, we all deal with some sort of discrimination or racism in one way or another, whether yeah. no matter how big or small. And I think he did an amazing job portraying the role and. I get where Samuel L. Jackson's coming from, especially because he's an American and he wants to see American actors and American black male... black American actors. Yeah, black American actors getting these roles. And I understand that, but I thought Daniel did an amazing job portraying the role. And he actually did have a, a response. He said, when I'm around black people, I'm made to feel other because I'm dark-skinned. I've had to wrestle with that, with people going, you're too black. Then I come to America and they say, you're not black enough. I go to Uganda, I can't speak the language. In India, I'm black. In the black community, I'm dark-skinned. In America, I'm British. Bro. So, you see just from those few quotes from Daniel Kaluuya that his experience as being a black man, it it's different wh- whatever part of the world he's in. So in in certain certain diet some uh, in certain areas he's a dark skinned black guy. Mm-hmm. In other areas he's a British black guy. In other areas he's a black guy but he doesn't speak the language. So it's like his skin color is really defining who he is, but it everywhere he goes there's some different augmentation or it's viewed differently but he continues on to say that police would round up all these black people in britain get them in the back of vans and then wrap them in blankets so their bruises wouldn't show when they beat them and he was essentially citing riots in london 
that pitted black citizens against the police. And he continues to say, it's not in the mainstream media. Those stories aren't out there like that. I just want to tell black stories. So yeah, I just think that just adds to what I was saying earlier. My experience as being a black man, I've just happened, I've had to deal with racism everywhere that I've gone. And I want to put that into context though, to not, because I don't want it to make it seem like as a black man, we're the only people who have to deal with this. I, I think that everybody deals with some sort of stereotypes, racism, discrimination, one way or another. Yeah. Whether you're a white woman, black woman, black male, Asian woman, Asian male, whatever the case may be, people have to, that we just, the way we work, we just like to put people in buckets and it's easier for us to have a story about someone that we don't know because it just, I, I, I don't, I don't know why, but that's just how humans are. And well, we tend to categorize people and then we marginalize people and everyone has their, their own levels of oppression. Like you said, a white woman, her gender, she's oppressed through that as a black woman. It's like a double negative. You're black and you're a woman. If you're a queer black male, it's like, that's a lot of negatives. So, um, everyone is like placed in categories and we are in some aspects, some groups are more, are considered their oppressors and others are oppressed. So I do understand where you're coming from. And I'm glad that you kind of, um, spoke specifically in regards to being a black male and your experience, even prior to when we got into this, you spoke about that growing up and kind of not knowing your place and stuff like that. And I think it's important as I stated before, I understand where Samuel L. Jackson is coming from, and I respect his work. I think he's a great actor. I felt like his comment was uncalled for in the timing of the film. And it's not solely within the film, but I just feel like we can't say, we can't be out here saying that we all got to eat. You know, they all talk about success in Hollywood, and there's enough to to be split among everybody. And now when this guy got his opportunity, I've never seen him in another movie. I've never known him acting prior to this movie. He probably did something before and I it didn't really it wasn't brought to my attention, but he did a great job in Get Out. And maybe this was his breakout role to put him on a map. And I feel like when we get to experience that as black people in Hollywood, which it's tend to be far and few between, like we should be upholding each other. Like, stuff like that. I feel like what Samuel L. Jackson said, it's not the kind of conversation you will have in an interview in the public. Maybe, you know, you and a friend is talking about it, and maybe if he was around Daniel, that would be a conversation they could have so there's no misconceptions. Matter of fact, there's no misinterpretations. So they could both get a clear understanding. But I do find to see... I do find to see what he said to be problematic because it's like, all right, this is his opportunity to shine. This is his breakout role. He's not on Mr. Jackson level in terms of how much money he's making in Hollywood. Like, every time you turn around, Samuel Jackson is a movie. He and King Kong. I'm like, they got him in this too? Like, you know, every time you turn around, he's... And I praise, that's good. He's working. He's making his money. He's in movies. He's in commercials. Like, he's everywhere. And now this is this brother's opportunity to make it. Whether he's from the U.S. or not, he is a black man and he deserves an equal opportunity just as much as everybody else. So I don't really get where his stance is. And he said how he feel like there's this love affair with British actors. I mean, it's Daniel and it's what Idris Elba. (laughs) And like who, like it's not like it's a plethora of black, to me, British actors out here taking jobs. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like there's more African-American males out here taking jobs than there are British actors. So I don't see why there needs to be a divide. I just felt like... I'm sure his his critique of the film and his stance probably came from a good place. It was just taken out of context or it was misinterpreted differently. And maybe there needed to, it needed to be developed more, his um, response to that. But I just felt like... Like what Daniel had said, like there's racism that he, that exists in his country that no one really talks about. That doesn't mean they're not going. That doesn't mean they're not going through police brutality. They're not going through, um, what's going on in terms of. It doesn't mean that he can't relate to what happened and get out. That doesn't resonate with him. It probably does on more than one level. So why should we negate his skills and opportunities from becoming a great actor because he's not African American and he's not a U.S. citizen? Like I, I just feel like. We can't say one minute we need more opportunities in Hollywood and there's enough for us to share success. There's enough to go around and then turn around and be like, but wait, you're not from here, bro. You're taking my job. That's not cool. Yeah. Um. So I just, to me, it was kind of a little, I was like, I feel like it was it was a little off to me. I was I, When I heard the comment, I was like, wait, what? He said that? And just like what you said in the beginning, it, was, it just kind of took me aback. Like, really? At a time like this, like... I don't know, maybe because the movie is out, it's still fresh, they're still making money, they're doing really well. I just felt like the, the context of that conversation just wasn't appropriate. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. I definitely agree. But shout-outs to Samuel L. Jackson. Still love him. Yeah, I love him. I love his honesty. <laughs> I do appreciate his honesty. I give him that much. And also, I shout-out to Daniel Kaluuya. He did a great job in Get Out, and now it's about to go to the U.K., um, so I'm really proud of him and I want to see him in more work. I believe that he's a great actor and he'll do great things. And to end on a good note, since we're on the topic of black men in Hollywood, Jordan Peele, um, who wrote and directed Get Out, is the first black movie maker to earn $100 million with a debut film. Damn. That's good. Balling. That's real. And please do keep in mind he does plan on doing more films around social injustice issues, but kind of in a horror film format to my understanding i'm gonna do some more research on that but i'm excited to see what else he has underneath his sleeve so um so now guys we're gonna switch up a little bit and we're gonna talk about pierre's into this thing (laughs) you want to speak on it because i can't you you made that sound like super sketchy no it's not sketchy but when you told me about i was like really though are we doing that Yes, yeah, so... 2017? I'm, like, really big into health, nutrition, and just overall well-being. I think if you're not the healthiest, happiest version of yourself, you just can't show up in your everyday life and produce the best results. So you have to put your health above everything. That way everything else could fall into place. All right, now. So, so with mm. that being said, this weekend... I did a sensory deprivation tank. So... What is that? So, sensory deprivation tank. So, essentially, it deprives your senses. So, I got into a tank that was filled with anywhere from 800 to 1,500 pounds of Epsom salt and magnesium. And the reason it's filled with all that salt and magnesium is because it allows you to float once you go into the tank. So I got into the tank. I started floating. 
I turned off the lights and plugged my ears so that there was no sound getting in. So basically all my senses were deprived. I didn't have to hear anything. I didn't have to see anything. And because I was floating, there was like a feeling of weightlessness. And one of the biggest stimuli on our body is gravity. Like everything we're doing, standing, walking, riding a bike, all of that, our body and our brain has to like basically manage dealing with gravity so that way we're moving properly. And just getting this tank, it, the whole premise of it, it allows your mind and your body to actually just go into a deep relaxation mode because it doesn't have to worry about noise coming in, people asking you questions, light, your phone, the TV, or just dealing with gravity, like walking up the stairs or laying down on a bed that's too hard or too soft. So yeah, the the whole point is you go in there and you just get into a deep relaxation mode. And I was freaking out when I got in there at first (laughs) because after like 30 seconds of being in the tank, I'm like, wait, I can't see anything. I, I... for some reason, I felt something like poking my foot. I'm like, is there something in here with me? Like, I, I just started getting a little nervous. But then after a while, I just, I kind of just focused on some techniques that I do when I'm practicing my meditation. And that hour went by in about 15 minutes. At least that's what it felt like to me. And while I was in there, the cause I believe I dozed off for while I was in there, but at the times that I was awake, I felt motionless. Like I wasn't moving at all. It was very still. I, I honestly felt like I was like in a mold, and I I couldn't move. But I guess the biggest the biggest thing that I realized when I got out was just how calm, how relaxed, how present I was, and just my body overall just felt really, like, rejuvenated. And I just thought that was amazing. Like, I didn't feel any, nothing bothered me in my joints. I had went to the gym earlier in the day, and I was a little sore, but once I got out of it, that soreness wasn't there. I wasn't thinking about, oh, it's Monday, uh, Monday's coming up, I have work in the morning, or what I was going to do next after I left there. All I could think about was just being in the present, just taking the shower, rinsing the salt off, realizing how good my body felt, and just realizing how like empty my mind was. And that was like a really great experience, just being able to feel present and just feel good in my own skin because me personally I've dealt with my health kind of declining from just the lifestyle I used to live where I would party a lot drink a lot not get a lot of sleep and then sitting down for like 60 hours 70 hours a week so I felt like I saw my body deteriorate and now that I'm starting to get that back coming out of that pool and just feeling great was amazing. So I'm definitely going to do it again. The way, I, the way I'm looking at it now, it's like 
it's like when I first started my meditation practice. At first, I didn't know if I was doing it right. I didn't yeah. know what to expect. But as I did it more frequently, I just started getting different experiences with it. But overall, it was always positive and moving toward in a positive direction. So how um you said doing it again so how frequently are you supposed to be doing this supposed to be like once a week or something like that so from the research that i've done there's some people who do it every day oh okay but oh they got time yeah that (laughs) so this it was a little pricey i found a groupon for the floating lotus and it cost 89 dollars for the hour okay yeah so, so that's okay. So mm-hmm. for me personally, I think it might be something I'll do once a month. Yeah. Just like maybe to start off the month or to end off the month. But I think it's something I definitely want to add into just my overall well-being practice. Because the fact, like, I just felt so good coming out of it. Yeah. And I just think with anything in life you need to do it consistently to really get real results from it. So I could see this having like overall p- profound positive results just in for my my mental state in terms of just being present, yeah. being comfortable with just silence and not always having to be whizzing and just going, mm-hmm. but just being able to take a step back and just relax and just yeah. be alone with my own thoughts. And... Just the the good feeling, it the, like being in that Epsom salt and that magnesium, like that good feeling. It was just dope. I, I kind of... Uh, You're I, literally I, cheesing right yeah. now. It had to be good because you're smiling real hard over there. Yeah. So I just wanted to add, it's kind of nerdy, but <laughs> the biggest mineral deficiency that we have as human beings is magnesium. Yeah. And that's because magnesium is a anti-stress mineral. Okay. And back in the day, when humans were hunters and gatherers, we didn't really have to deal with real stress unless an animal was attacking us or there was really bad weather or we were looking for a place to stay. Yeah. So that's when our our nervous system would get activated and our stress response would come on, like that flight or fight. Mm-hmm. But... In our society now, we get stressed all the time, whether it's work stress, stressing about what you're going to wear that day, stressing about your relationship, stressing about money, stressing about what's for dinner. Like We have these stressors happening all the time to us, and when that happens, our body zaps that magnesium. So (laughs) magnesium... It actually gets absorbed through the skin better than actually eating it from food sources. Yeah. So the pool was filled with magnesium as well. So I just felt that like calming, anti-stress, that relaxation from just being in that magnesium yeah. and Ep- Epsom salt um, mixture, and it was freaking awesome. Like I loved it. I think that's good, and I think that's something that you should continue if that's what you want to do. I'm all about. You doing something that is going to motivate you to live a better life and in terms of you working on your health. I never knew about this thing until you told me and I was like, wait, what? Like, we swimming in salt? But 
I'm glad that you went to go check it out and you like smiling from ear to ear. So it had to be good. I may check it out someday. Not right now, but I will definitely look into that someday. I think that's really good to know. And I, in terms of you went to one spot, but do, how many of these are like throughout like New York City? Like it's other boroughs, it's only Manhattan. Like, do you know? So when I was looking into a location to do it at, I found about maybe six or eight that are in New York City. Um, ironically, one of one of my friends, I told him about the experience, and he said he has a friend who's actually starting one in Brooklyn. Wow. So I've heard about two or three that's in Brooklyn and Long Island, but these aren't as big as I would like them to be. Yeah. So... I think it's kind of good that it's not, because if it is, you could only imagine. It probably turns into something else. What do you mean? Like, normally things that just come on the scene and oh. no one really knows about low-key, I feel like those are the best things to get involved in at that moment, but when it starts to skyrocket and become something bigger, mm-hmm. it kind of evolves and change, and it may not... You may love it now, but what it may change to become after everyone get put onto it you may not have interest in it. You see what I'm saying? I feel like that's very common. So the fact that it's kind of low-key, I, I think that's good. I'm all about sharing. I, if I find something that's really good for me and I've found benefits from it, I just want to share with everyone and I want everybody to do so it. So you want to share? Share the location. Where did you go? Floating Lotus. Where was it located at? It was on 26th Street in Manhattan. You know okay. what? We can so actually we'll we can actually add that into the show notes after the show. Okay, that would be cool. Yeah, so we can we can actually put links to the floating lotus to have that location if anyone's in New York City you can check it out. Then we can put links to the comment from Maserati Rick. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> negative. But yeah, no, definitely we should put that out there just in case any other viewers want to check it out and may have interest in it. And hopefully by the time they go on Groupon, it'll be cheaper than $89 for some people. It is a pretty penny. It's, yeah, very pretty penny. You're you're very pretty. (laughs) Thank you, honey. You look good too. (laughs) All right. Um, So we're about to wrap up our show. Once again, we want to thank you for tuning in please follow us on instagram our instagram name is underscore unapologetically underscore different and twitter at unapologetic underscore d and you can also email us at unapologetically different at gmail.com stay tuned for our next episode bye bye